Welcome to the Valley Beit Midrash podcast, a program of Valley Beit Midrash, a global center of learning and action. We're bringing you the best in diverse, pluralistic Jewish wisdom, all with the goal of improving lives in our global community. I'm Rabbi Shmuley Yanklowitz. Let's get started. It's a delight to be here in the great city of London with the wonderful Rabbi Alex Goldberg, who is the campus rabbi at the University of Surrey and so many other roles he's playing in society, as we're going to learn. Nice to talk to you. Lovely to meet you. So um, what is Jewish life like at the University of Surrey? So I've got two bits of my job, yeah. actually. One is I, I still am campus rabbi. I have been for years and years and years, even before I was a rabbi. Anyway, that's a long story. But I'm also dean of religious life. So my, my the beginning of my day is like a really bad joke. You know, my office is literally... Uh, uh, you know, an imam, a vicar, a priest, a monk, or walk, you know, walk in. <laughs> so I, 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 I manage a team of 20 uh, chaplains or tw 20 religious life and belief associates and chaplains from eight uh, faiths and world, world views. So that's really exciting. Campus life, we, we have a small Jewish community on campus, about 150 to 180. And during lockdown, I found 150 Jews in the villages. So I live in an area outside of London, where it's, it's, a, it's a county town, what we call a market town. And there's all these Jews in the village. They all think, they all think they're the only Jew in the village, which is a problem. Because I invite them over for supper and they meet the other Jews in the village. And they go, well, I can't live there any longer. But, so now what are you doing in chaplaincy? Tell us about your chaplaincy. So chaplaincy is great. Um, uh, I run a, uh, what do we do in chapter? It's a really good question. Um, we, I cater for anything, well, at the moment, 16,000 staff and students. Um, our campus is majority religious um, because we have a lot of international students from India and Nigeria. Oh. Uh, we have hot and cold running services, anything you like. I mean, Jewishly, yes, we have Shabbat services. That's great, and, and, and festivals. But uh, the Religious Life and Belief Centre, or called the Roundhouse, mm. you can you have Mass and Puja, and uh, mm. uh, we have an Islamic prayer room where you can pray five times a day. So it, yeah. it's quite an act. In March, April this year, because I don't know if you know this, but there was the convergence of festivals, a thing that happens every 27 years yeah. when Passover and Easter and... Um, uh, Ramadan and, uh, and Holly and all sorts of things, and Vasaki yeah. all coincide. So we had 5,000 unique individuals yeah. making many visits. Yeah. So we do that. We also have on campus, just so you see things you might want to bring up, we have a cost of living lunch for those that can't mm. afford it on a Wednesday. Mm. And, we all, and we also have a uh, faith and leadership program wow. that we do with other cool. universities around Europe. So things like that. So right? in the spirit of interfaith dialogue, interfaith collaboration, what's something that has happened that has make you, makes you optimistic and what's something that makes you pessimistic about kind of bridging some of these divides? I think it's really interesting because we, we're living in a world where uh, the students I have today are Generation Z. Um, I think that what I'm seeing, which is optimistic, is people are coming to the table. They're wanting to act together, but yet from their own faith. So in the past, it was either very secularized mm -hmm. Jews, Christians, whatever it happens to be, coming together and going, well, we'll, we'll come together uh, as, as for humanity. Or you had very religious communities separating apart, going into their own spaces. Uh, 
And I think now you've got actually Gen Z is a little bit more relaxed and it's happy to come together. Just so you know, Z is called Z. Z, 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 Z. <laughs> yes, it's one of our differences. So right? what, what was your experience at the UN? What, what have you been involved with at the UN? So the U, I was, I was going in pessimism, all right. Oh yes, let's go to pessimism first, excuse me. Pessimism, I think, I think during, uh, Britain's had a really strange experience the last five, yeah. six years, yeah. where you've got the, 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 certainly on the left, you've had the rise of anti-Semitism, and the far right, you've always had anti-Semitism. Yeah. And that's impacted itself, sometimes in, in student politics, uh, and elsewhere within the British Labour Party. Uh, some of that's changing, which is also positive, but it, for a number of years it wasn't good. And I think, I think Jewish students didn't always feel safe on campuses wow. around the country, and that's, yeah. that's impacted everywhere. So yeah. that's, that's a bad thing, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say, UN? Yes, the UN. Tell us about your work over there. United Nations. So, um, uh, as well as being a rabbi, I'm a barrister, to, 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 oh. as a court advocate. We have two sorts of lawyers in this uh -huh. country. One is solicitors, uh, which are regular attorneys, and the other one uh, wear wigs. So uh, <laughs> I remember at the time, my, my, uh, my rabbi used to tell me, uh, he, 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 before I got married, he's the one that wears the shaitel. So it's, uh, yeah. we, we wear wigs, um, which is an 18th century dress. Um, and so I, I'm a barrister, I'm a human rights activist, I have been led an NGO at the UN, mm. uh, I've changed international law, blah, blah, blah. And I'm a rabbi. So the UN discovered me and went, well, there aren't that many people like you um, <laughs> who care about human rights and know the law and, yeah. and are a religious leader. So they, they, they basically hired me as a consultant. I have to say, for the video purposes, I work in cooperation with the United Nations mm -hmm. on something called Faith for Rights, which is their framework. What are they scared about? They, they, they came up with a concern that human rights, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the International Covenants, and other human rights treaties were seen as secular doctrine today, uh, despite the fact that the authors of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights came from fairly religious positions. There's one we don't know about, but um, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt was, was, a, was a from Episcopalian. Uh, René Kassam was Jewish, um, whilst being sort of very much part of that secular French society and taking his orders during the war from General de Gaulle. Um, he, he decided to debate the rabbis and, uh, every Wednesday afternoon at the Alliance Yisraelite or whenever it was. So he's a really fascinating character. And, and, and you have uh, Charles Malik, who's a Marianite from Lebanon. So these guys are writing this thing and they're trying to use their religious values to do so. So we're trying to bring together a, a set of exercises, if you like, um, which try and bridge the world of religious tradition with the world of human rights. And we, we trained religious leaders and they piloted in the UK. We've got wonderful venues. We've got one, Windsor Castle, which is home to, that's the proper home of the, or was the Queen. Oh no, actually when we ended up there, it was no longer the Queen, it was the home of the King. She'd just passed away. And um, uh, we got the BBC, which is another great pillar of British, the British Broadcasting Corporation. <laughs> uh, Edinburgh Castle, Oh, and Lambeth Palace, which is the home of the Archbishop of Canterbury. Oh. So, all, so these are very, very English establishments. Yeah. Yeah. And, and trying to train, uh, we train over 100 leaders, um, faith, ordained faith, yeah. ministers of faith, whatever you call it. Um, and that was good. And we also did 25 journalists and experiments with the BBC. So mm. it was, what we were trying to do there was see how the programmes worked, what the impact was on people, 
whether whether um, that concept worked, and it, it has. And so I still speak on behalf of UN conferences, and I think it's I, I like it. I like the fact that the UN engages, and actually within I'm not supposed to say this, but within our little team that works there, the two people yeah. that work at the UN on this is a very senior. Uh, uh, senior man who's the chief of treaties, a guy called Ibrahim, who's from Egypt, mm -hmm. Michael, who is from Central Europe and is Christian, yeah. uh, I'm Jewish, yeah. and, and the, the special rapporteur yeah. on religion of freedom from University of Oxford here yeah. is a uh, is a Baha'i. So it's, yeah, a, it's, very, it's, very cool. it's a cool team. Yeah. Wow. So going back to something you touched on, um, anti-Semitism in the country. Yes. And you implied it's getting better that the what what was emerging out of labor, what was emerging out of some aspects of the left or far left um, has improved. What's changed? And this this new prime minister for since last year, um, how does he seem to be on, on, on this front? Yeah. I don't want to get into left and right yeah, party yeah. politics here. I think there are problems everywhere. Yeah. I think there are problems certainly for the younger generation on social media it's it's still you know incessant and it's getting louder and it's getting it, it's it's certainly during lockdown it's very uncomfortable for young people here and i i that's not good but when you have a when you have a leader of the labor party who if i was being charitable is very unlucky with the <laughs> friends that he sits with uh, <laughs> Extremely, I don't know anyone that's been as unlucky as him. But he, he you know, he, he ended up again and again and again on platforms with people who had horrific views about Jews. And I'm not talking about being pro-Palestinian, pro-Israeli, or that. I mean, people that really were talking uh, had done nasty things or said nasty things about Jewish people. And that was not that not helpful. We now have, a, I think, a leader of the main opposition who is sympathetic to the Jewish community, understands the Jewish community quite intimately. Um, uh, I think it's a secret, his children are Jewish. Um, so it, it, he, I, I think that's a huge change. And I think that also the actions taken, there was an official inquiry into the Labour Party by our, we have an Equalities Watchdog, which is a government body. And they've taken up those recommendations and run with it. The Conservative Party in recent years hasn't had that problem, but in the 1980s had more conservative anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was speaking in a week where you know, somebody very conservative in the United States has passed away who, who caused problems in the 80s, yeah. but that sort of yeah. anti-Semitism. So we, we struggle, and, I, and I, I think that Jews are trying their hardest to, um, to be who they are in Europe, and they, they don't know what's hit them. Also, I mean, globally, during the pandemic, this will be in the same way as showing in the United States, uh, I get briefings on the nasties because of my position at the university. Yeah, right. the last, last six nasties I was given a briefing on by, by the government. Uh, fire. They, they, they all hated different groups, yeah. but their conspiracy theories were, right. but that group is really controlled by uh, you know, uh, the Jews. Right. And so these Jewish conspiracy theories came up, and it was... Uh, and during COVID, and I, I think they're still there. Um, whether it's a big super space gun, yeah. which aims at the you know, whatever it is, or right. so I know more, uh, more traditional forms of anti-Semitism. Um, soccer is a big deal over here. Soccer. What, yes. do, you, do you have a religious relationship to soccer? We, we well, I do. I, I, I chair the. We have something called the Football Association, which was the original Football Association. It's like the NFL, I guess. <laughs> 
Yes. And the Football Association runs our national stadium and runs England football team uh, and a bit more and the regulations. And so I have been for oh, over a decade uh, chair of the faith reference group there. Um, and we, so yes, I have a religious relationship. So I have a group of religious leaders that try and work with um, the soccer authorities. And sadly, I got in there through the, for, the, for the wrong reasons. Again, it was Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, and we set up a commission on that. We have here, I, I don't see it happening in American games, but you can tell me, we have here shouting on the terraces, abuse on the terraces. Wow. It used to be uh, aimed at the Afro-Caribbean players, uh, wow. people of Afro-Caribbean origin in the 1980s, but we still have a lot of chanting, um, anti-Semitic chanting on the wow. terraces. Oh my gosh. Um, some aimed at one team in London, which yeah. traditionally is linked to the Jewish world. Um, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, which um, which doesn't help that their fans are very happy to call themselves the Yid Army, which is, uh, uh, and so on and so forth. But it, I've been in matches where people are singing about Auschwitz yeah. and um, making gas chamber noises and things like that. Oh so, my gosh. So it's, it, 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 it's, that's the horrific side. The yeah. great side of it, Shmuel, I think you all like this, is the fact that I managed, I, 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 as time went on, I thought, well, actually, what I really want to be about is bringing communities together. So I used mm -hmm. to take over football stadiums, uh, bring in 19 or so yeah. schools, some, you know, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, but it were uh, wow. non-religious uh, non schools, but most of those had one ethnic group or one religious group. Yeah. And they were all in the east of London. Even schools 500 metres apart, we had parallel communities. So there were two or three schools we knew that were 500 metres or yards, or whatever you want to use, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, where one was 90% uh, from 90% from the Bengali, or Bengali heritage, Muslim community, yeah. and the other one 90% white. Um, but we, we mixed all these schools yeah. up at West Ham, and then we did a program later at Wembley, the National Stadium, where they discussed faith, identity, uh, citizenship, yeah. and they got to play a bit of football, and, and lift the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're, I don't know if there's like an equivalent in the United States, but this cup has been fought for mm -hmm. for a hundred, yeah, hundred fifty so, years, I, and so I, this this is like a religious shrine yeah, now, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know the extent that you've watched Ted Lasso, but Ted Lasso is great. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear: is this a good representation of the that soccer culture here? And do you think there's any big takeaways or lessons that from that show? Because there's very few shows I can think of recently that in America, you know, are based here. There's really an access to culture here. Is it accurate? And, you know, I mean, it's very touching, very, very, very moving show. Yeah, I mean, it's caricature, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yes. And there's a, there's a lot around. But, but I think that there is a kernel of truth in it. Um, one of our, one of the great managers in this country is featured in the end of the last series. So Pep, Pep Guardiola, uh, has, who was the manager of Barcelona and Bayern and Manchester City. I don't support them, but they just won the treble, which is a big thing. Oh, is he the one that Rupert knocks down? Uh, no, he's, that's an actor, but oh, okay. in, in the episode before where they beat their big rival. Oh, uh, okay. And, uh, oh, and he shakes his hand. Yes, and, he's, oh. and he says, I like what you do, I like what yeah. you do. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's Pep, and he's just won everything there is to be won in Europe. Yeah. It's a very rare occurrence I haven't once yeah. before in this country. Oh, interesting. Uh, so I think I think what it's it does get into that football. You see some of the uh, the guys at the pub and the, yeah. uh, the name-calling and all that. 
it's toned down if anything um yeah. and there's a bit of drinking culture around it and if you go to some of the big soccer teams in 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 england there will be pubs about 100 meters from the stadium you know what I mean? and some of the fans will never go into the stadium they'll just hang out at the pub oh. like a thousand two thousand oh, really? and watch on the screens oh, yeah because really? wow. that's the atmosphere oh. it's, it's an arsenal pub or a tottenham pub or oh. a west ham pub um so i think a lot of that they use real clubs. They don't get into the culture of the real clubs. Richmond's obviously made up. Actually, it's based in a very nice twee area, but they make that out. Uh, I, I, look, the whole the whole humour around it about an American football coach who doesn't understand soccer or the really the culture of this country and starts to embrace it through the three series and starts to care about it. I think is beautiful, and I, and I think they do capture the essence of 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 the, the passion around football in this country. Uh, I, my first job ever, my first job ever was in Glasgow in Scotland. And I remember sitting on a committee, I was working for something called Jewish Continuity, but it was a cross-community, pluralistic organisation. And we had a little group of, where are the under-30s in the community? Yeah, everyone does that. And I said, I went, and so, so we went round all the synagogues of all the denominations, and someone said, "Well, I think there were five last week, and there were ten. And so we got up to a whole great figure of like twenty-one between seven synagogues or thirty. Sorry, Glasgow area. Uh, <laughs> I, I love my time there. I love, I love your community. And I said, I, I can I can take you somewhere this weekend where you have two, three hundred. In fact, two places. One is Glasgow Rangers, and one is Glasgow Sales Inc. Mm. And they go, and they all looked at each other, go. Oh yeah, for sure. So the first event we did after that was we, we did a, an event at Glasgow Rangers, which had a Jewish director at the time. Uh, and, and lo and behold, a couple of hundred people turned up, which they went to. So I, I, think, I think the idea of football, football can bring the community together. So it's got huge potential. I would say when I'm, in the, uh, I've been lucky enough, I mean, uh, I've been lucky enough to be asked, I was on a panel organized by David Cameron, who's prime minister looking at football and racism. But I, I always say, look, soccer has a huge magnet, like Ted Lasso and the Believe thing, isn't it? To bring people together, because it's, you know, it can be one ball, one game, one community, which is represented in the Richmond thing. Yeah. But, when you, but, it, but it also has the other side of it, if you've got two rival clubs anyway, which can be two gay, anyway, two halves, uh, um, uh, two teams and yeah. two communities. And I think the choice is ours. Um, so I think, I think we're, yeah, we're trying to change that. Religion is a problem for us. We put, uh, you know, many, many of the teams play on Shabbat. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Um, in the modern age, half the games now on, on weekdays, which is mm. good. Well, I know it's good yeah. for me. I can go and see them. Yeah. Um, but I, and I think that there's always a passion here. We haven't won. The World Cup is everything. And England won it once at, at Wembley, actually, when we do the programmes in 1966, which is a long time ago and before I was born. Uh, I think before you were born. And so there are songs about how many years we wait. It's actually mm -hmm. one song by a Jewish guy called David Bidu. And, and, I, and I think that unless you can bring the whole community in to play football and you have flexible football and young people coming in, you're not going to win the World Cup. So I say, look, you mm -hmm. have to extend that mm -hmm. to con yeah. more conservative religious communities. Uh -huh. Our community is always going to be a bit of a challenge, which about that. Uh, right, beautiful. There we, there we go. Friends, follow the great work there and ideas of Rabbi Alex Gobert. Thank you so much for your time. Well, it's nice, nice, nice chatting to you. Continue. Thanks.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Valley Bait Midrash podcast. Remember that you can join our email list at valleybaitmidrash.org to stay up to date on new programs, learning opportunities, and more ways to stay connected. If you enjoyed learning with us today, support our work by making a donation at valleybaitmidrash.org slash donate. Join us next time as we continue to work together to build a better world. Thanks for listening.